Our text is in Genesis chapter 14 today. Chapter 14 of the book of Genesis as we continue our fall study on the life of Abraham. Life of Abraham, Genesis chapter 14. It was my mother's habit when we were growing up through our summer vacations from school to have certain friends and or cousins come and stay with us for a week or two. Something we kids usually enjoyed. But I recall one of those summer visitors named Robbie who came from the city and I would say that we enjoyed him less than all the others. He was a tattletale, and we found him to be kind of annoying. But my mother's rule was we will be nice to everybody, even Robbie. And so we tolerated him, even when he screamed and cried. It was always best for us kids if we followed mom's rule. But I recall one day Robbie was being his usual annoying self, and a neighbor boy happened to ride his bike to our house. And one of the jobs that we had as kids was uh, to burn the trash outside in the burn barrel. So my brother and I went out to burn the trash, and the neighbor boy was with us as we tossed the trash in the barrel and set it on fire. Then along came Robbie, and he was being his usual annoying self. So the neighbor boy threatened Robbie, Told him to get out of here. Robbie, of course, made some remark that he had no intention of getting out of here. So the neighbor boy picked him up and tried to throw him in the burn barrel. <laughs> Robbie screamed, bloody murder at the top of his lungs. And one of his legs did go into the burn barrel, yes. And there was a fire in the barrel. <laughs> and Mom came running out the back door, shouting to the neighbor boy, leave Robbie alone. And he dropped Robbie on the ground, got on his bike, and went flying down the road. And Mom took Robbie screaming into the house. No, he wasn't hurt, and he didn't even catch fire. Uh, of course, later on, Mom wanted to know what happened. We said, Mom, you know how annoying Robbie can be. She said, that's no reason to throw him in a burn barrel. Mom expected us to be well-behaved in hopes it would rub off onto Robbie. And she also let it be known that we were not to let the neighbor boy's behavior rub off on us. So she made that abundantly clear. So we learned that we were expected to be good examples and not to let someone's bad behavior rub off on us. In our text today, we see two examples of good behavior that rubbed off making everybody better all the way around. Now, last you can recall, <clears throat> we saw Abraham's nephew, Lot, make a bad choice, and a very selfish choice, choosing the best pastures for himself and his flocks. And Lot, ignoring God, left the tent life behind and settled in the city of Sodom. And we saw the disastrous consequences of his selfish choices as we finished, Lot lost everything he had and was living in a cave. Now this week, we look at the very same circumstances, but from a different point of view. Abraham, who promised Lot, if you go left, I'll go right, kept his promise 
and moved to the south away from Lot and the city of Sodom. Now in today's text, chapter 14 tells us the story of the earliest recorded war in the Bible. Four kings from the north join forces and come with their armies sweeping southward. Five of the cities around Sodom join their forces to fight with the northern invaders, but they are defeated. And the northern armies take the spoils of war and turn and go back north. Abraham, up in the mountains farther to the southwest, is not affected by the war, but then comes a survivor with some bad news. Genesis chapter 14, begin reading at verse 10. And the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits. Kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they that remained fled to the mountains. They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. They took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped. And told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Memor, the Amorite, brother of Eschol, brother of Anar, and of those that were confederate with Abraham. So a survivor of the battle escapes, runs up into the mountains, and then comes down to Abraham with the bad news. Cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were defeated in the raids. Lot was taken captive, and those northern raiders have taken captives taken all the flocks and all the food stores and are now headed back north, victorious in their battles and rich in the spoils of war. So Abraham reacts to that news. Verse 14. When Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, Notice how large a camp of people Abraham has around him. He's got 318 servants, young men, that can bear arms. And it says these 318 men were born in his house. So Abraham's got 318 men plus women and children and probably older men and maybe over a thousand people who live with him and have done so for a long time so that all these men were born and raised in Abraham's camp. His kindness and generosity had gathered many people who were faithful to Abraham. And being raised in his camp, he taught them all about God. Abraham is a magnetic personality who draws people to himself. And you would have loved him, I'm sure. I'm sure I would. And now he gets the news, Lot, his nephew, is taken captive. Now, if it were you or me, and me, (laughs) we might have said something like this. Look, Lot made his choice. And it was a selfish choice. And Lot abandoned his uncle and chose the best for himself and moved into the wicked city of Sodom. 
He is now suffering from the consequences of his own choices. He took the best for himself, selfishly so, and left the worst ground for his uncle Abraham. So now because of his own greed, he is taken captive by this northern army and they're headed back north. You and I might have said, well, Lot, you got what you asked for. You chose your home in Sodom, and it was defeated, and you are captive, and you're already on the way up north. I guess old Lot got what he deserved. That's what we might have said. But that's not what Abraham he holds no grudges. He forgives completely. He's going after Lot. My friends, one of the things we have seen about Abraham was whenever he moved his tent to a new location, he first builds an altar and starts talking to God. He's always talking to God. He regularly goes to his altar and has conversations with God. And Abraham had a reputation because of it. Listen to what the Bible says about Abraham. The scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. That's a nice title to have. The friend of God. Everybody likes Abraham. And God likes him. Abraham and God spend hours together. They are friends. And God has rubbed off on Abraham. You see, my friends, God doesn't hold grudges. God easily forgives. We may be selfish and make bad choices. But God doesn't say, there, you got what you deserve. You made your bed, now sleep in it. I like Porky Pig when he said, you cooked your goose, now sleep in it. <laughs> All right? God doesn't say, let me think. Should I help them or not? <laughs> no. No matter how poorly we behave, when we are in trouble, God comes to our aid. So Abraham who spends a lot of time with God, behaves like God. There's no hesitation at all. There's no question in his mind. There's no doubt. Come on, let's go save Lot. Let's rescue Lot. But Abraham, it's a whole army. And you've got 318 servants and your neighbors. There's three brother neighbors. have some servants too. Do you really think you can beat this big army who just whipped all five kings from Sodom and Gomorrah? Are you sure is Lot worth the risk? Oh, there's no question, says Abraham. We're going. Let's go. Abraham, they're on their way up into Dan already, almost 70 miles north. They've got a big head start on us. Well, then it's time to go. We're leaving right now. Verse 15. He divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night. 
and smote them and pursued them unto Hobath, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. Also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Traveled all day and all night to get to their camp. Splits into two groups, attacks them at night. Gets Lot back and all the women and children that were taken captive. All the flocks and food goods. And drives that northern army right out of sight. Now it's a common theme throughout the Bible. David's slingshot sent a whole army of Philistines to fight, flight. Jonathan and his armor bearer take a whole fort by themselves. Gideon, with his brave 300, defeats an army of thousands. And Abraham, with 318 servants and a few helpers, drives the northern army away, seizes all the people and all the food and all the flocks. A very impressive victory. Obviously one with God's help. So he turns south, heads back home, where he's about to get a hero's welcome. Verse 17. The king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. So the king of Sodom, who was defeated, comes out to meet Abraham, down to verse 21. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons, take the goods to thyself. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand to the Lord, the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth that I will not take a thread, even a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I made Abraham rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten in the portion of the men which with me, Anar, Eskol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. King of Sodom says, I'll just take the people. You take all the spoils of war. You have all the flocks and food stores and all of it. Abraham says, no thanks. I don't want it. Nobody's ever going to say that the king of Sodom made me rich. See, Abraham is not interested in wealth. It doesn't have any effect on him. But here's something that is really interesting to Abraham. Back to verse Number 18, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into hands. And he gave him tithes of all. So two kings come out to meet Abraham after his amazing victory. King of Sodom, who is king over the most wicked city in the whole area, and maybe in the whole history of the world, Sodom. And then another man called the king of Salem, who is called Melchizedek. And it says that Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. I know you're all Bible scholars. And your mind is just buzzing now. And the bells are ringing in your head. And I'm glad they are. Aren't they? Yeah. 
And you should be saying, every one of you should be saying, Eric, you said Abraham was the only man left who believed in God. Ten generations from Noah, and the only believer in God that was left is Abraham. That's what you said. So who's this fellow? It says he's a priest to the Most High God. Well, there's the lotus question. Who is he indeed? Who is this guy? Melchizedek. It says here he's the king of Salem. Well, Salem means peace. And so, shalom, it's a Jewish greeting that means peace. So is Melchizedek the king of peace? Or is Salem, what some people think, what we call Jerusalem, is Melchizedek king of Jerusalem? Maybe. Who is he, Eric? I don't know who he is. Well, where did he come from? I don't know where he came from. Where did he go? I don't know. I don't know anything. I know this. It says Abraham gave Melchizedek one-tenth of all the spoils of war. Everything he had taken, which was a considerable amount, he gave one-tenth of those things to Melchizedek. Now, listen to this unusual description here. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Well, we already know that, but here's what it says. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. It says Abraham of the two men was the lesser of the two. Melchizedek was the greater of the two men. Melchizedek, it says in the Bible, was a greater man than Abraham. Wow. It's quite a reputation. So, who is he? I don't know. I said I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. Nobody knows who he is. All we know is that Melchizedek is the priest of the Most High God. Okay, so let's try to figure it out. What does a priest do? If you go to the real definition of a priest, not any human definition, but the real definition, a priest goes to God on your behalf. So Abraham gives Melchizedek one-tenth of the spoils of war. Why? So Melchizedek will make a sacrifice to God on behalf of Abraham. 
Abraham had won a decisive victory, and the very first piece of business as he comes home after this great victory is to make a sacrifice to God in thanksgiving for God's help in that very outweighed battle. So here Melchizedek, here, one-tenth of all I have, I'm giving to you, make a sacrifice, go to God on my behalf, and say to God for me, thank you for the help in this amazing victory. So, you want to know who is he? I still don't know. But one question remains. One question. How did Melchizedek get to be the priest of the Most High God. Now, he doesn't have a Bible to read. No such thing at his time. So, he has to take what he has. He looked up the stars at night and he said, those aren't there by accident. They're too beautifully set in the sky stable and strong. That's not an accident. Then he looked at nature and all the world around him. He looked at the rivers and he looked at the mountains and the deer and the sheep and he looked at the flowers and the trees and he said, I see a divine creative touch in all everything around me. I see God everywhere. And he called out to this God and God answered him and Melchizedek talked with God. And Melchizedek was fascinated by God. And he spent hours with God until God rubbed off on him. And just like God, Melchizedek was drawn to God and wanted other people to know about him. So he went to God and he started to say, but I want to help him come to you and I want to help them. person who goes to God on behalf of others. And so God made him a priest. Yes, my friends, just like Jesus, who prayed, remember, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He went to God on our behalf. Just like Jesus who prayed to the Father for us. And he said, Father, let them be with me while I go when I'm going. Jesus is our high priest who goes to God on our behalf. Who made a sacrifice for us and gave his life for us. And Melchizedek knew God and learned to be like God and became a priest making sacrifice to God for others. Who is he? I don't care who he is. It doesn't matter who he is. Where did he come from? I don't know or care. Why? Because God takes anyone who will come seeking and searching for him. Hungry hearts that want to know God. He'll always take them in. Thirsting souls that long for something better than what this world has to offer. They long for the presence of God in their life. They can go to God. Who are they? doesn't matter who they are. They can be old men. They can be young children. 
Both of them can find God. Women or men, it doesn't matter. He responds to the loving, hungry heart. That's who God is. Rich or poor, black or white, educated or uneducated, none of it matters. God chose Melchizedek because he searched for God. The Bible says, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Who was Melchizedek? I don't know, but Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils. So Melchizedek would offer a sacrifice of grateful praise and thanks for Abraham on his behalf. So both Abraham and Melchizedek spent time with God, and God rubbed off on them. They were forgiving people. They were concerned with others more than themselves, just like God. They were unselfish, just like God. My friends, I ask you today, is God rubbing off on you? Do you spend time with him? Are you hungry for him? Do you have a forgiving heart? Or do you hold a grudge? Do you pray for others and ask God to bless them? Is God rubbing off on you? Are you more like Jesus every day? I pray we will all do what Paul said, and here's the way he put it, that we should be conformed to the image of Jesus, that we should behave like he did. May God bless you as you build a friendship with God. And may we all be known as friends of God. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lesson here provided. And somebody, anybody, doesn't matter who he is, can find God and serve God and be changed into something better. We thank you for that opportunity that in our hearts we may seek you out and find you, and that you will turn us into something better than we were. So be near us, Lord. Teach us as we live our lives. We want to be more like you. We pray. And in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn books, if you will, to hymn number 230. Standing as we sing, hymn number 230, close to thee, close to thee. Page 230.
that we would seek you, long for time with you, that our desire would be like that of Abraham and that like Melchizedek, where we would want to see you in all things in our life, where we would look for you, where our desire would be more and more keen to be closer to you all the time. We ask for this, and we ask for that to be always and ever-growing in our life. Pray for these people. You protect them all and be with them. Bring them back safely to this place. We thank you for all the blessings we have in our lives. In your name.